Well, this younger man uh, has a lot to answer for because, uh, you know, what he's done, he's heard God and responded to God's call. And I was in a field in Leyburn up in North Yorkshire, and Tim said, have you ever considered TLG? I said, well, I've heard about it, but, you know, we're doing so much as a church. We're busy. But in those few moments and conversations since that point, God dropped in my heart the need for us as a church to continue to make greater impact into our community. And with all that we're doing, with people trying to help them out of addiction, all that we're trying to do in terms of rehousing, our rehab, helping with homelessness, one of the things I realised is if we can help our children at an earlier stage, then maybe we can not meet them 10 years later in an even more difficult situation. And so as we prayed about it as a leadership and as we've been praying really almost the last two years for this to happen, tomorrow is the day. And it's such a privilege. Tim is uh, director, what do you call yourself? Boss, big cheese of TLG. We've had him here before and uh, let's listen to him and then we're going to pray at the end and really commission all that God's doing with TLG. But let's give him a warm welcome to Hull. Or back to Hull. Back Back to to Hull. Hull. Yes. Thank you. Good morning. It is so exciting to be back. Great to be back with you. It's 18 months since I was last here. But great to be back in my home city. Yes, indeed. This bit of Hull as well. When I come back to this bit of Hull, the memories, the nostalgia come come flooding back. My first Saturday job was at a sports shop called Runner Care. Just around the corner, the other side of what was BHS. So as a 15-year-old, that's where I spent Saturdays. I would go for lunch at Skelton's. <laughs> who, who remembers Skelton? Yes. Oh. The, the vanilla slice from Skelton's, I've never, ever been able to find anything like it. I remember... I think it was the upstairs of McDonald's once a month on a Saturday night, there was a Youth for Christ meeting. I think McDonald's was on this side of the road, not that side of the road, but maybe it's, maybe it's time playing tricks. I think if you go back far enough, it was on this side of the road. And then this building. So today it's a really warm welcome. But my memories of this building piano exams. (laughs) I remember climbing those stairs in fear of the examiner who was going to listen to me playing my piano pieces. So it's great to be back. But today is such a significant day. As Steve said, we had a chance conversation. And yet by God's grace and his leading, And by the faith of this church, I am so excited just to see my prayers answered for this city. And it is such a privilege to be with you today. So I want to talk to you about the journey for struggling young people and their parents. And I just want to share something of God's heart to make a way for them. We're believing, aren't we? That for young people and families, through this ministry, 
of getting alongside them as they struggle in school. We're believing that God's glory will shine in their lives, that God's got good things that he wants to bring into every part of their lives. Young people who right now in this city don't know of the God who loves them and has a plan for their lives. And we're believing that we're going to be part of that revelation of who he is and his plans for their lives. Well, I'm married to Rachel and we have three teenage boys. And it's coming up 18 months now since two of my boys, Josh and Dan and I, and a bunch of other friends decided that we would cycle coast to coast from Morecambe to Brid in two days to raise money for TLG. It was a crazy idea, um, but nevertheless, we did our training and we set out. So there I am with Josh and Dan, Morecambe Bay behind, our pink TLG t-shirts on, about to set off. So we'd heard about the hill, the hill on day one coming out of Settle, like the middle of the Pennines. We'd heard about it, but we trained for it. And as you are about to see, we took it completely in our stride. Take a look at the screen. Here we go, we've done our lunch. Stop, and we are doing the big hill. How are we doing, Jack? Woohoo! This is easy. There he is. Good. Come on, see you at the top. Oh, another hill. Everything. Everything is hurting. Oh, wow. These guys doing amazing. And this scenery incredible, but it is hurting. We're pressing on. It looked so much flatter on the map. <laughs> so that was me struggling for a part of one day. About 20 minutes, and then it was over. But what I want to speak to you about this morning is the struggle that so many children, young people, and parents face every day, day after day. Let's think about what they face. The 4.1 million children growing up in poverty in our nation in 2020. And the impact on family life is huge. I think of the parents on low incomes. You know, one in three of those parents say that they've skipped meals in the holidays just in order to provide enough food for their kids. Imagine 
what that would be like. And then, across all of our society, we hear, don't we, about the epidemic of mental ill health. People of all backgrounds, of all ages, but do you know the evidence is that half of all adult mental health has its origin before the age of 14. So what happens to us as kids has the potential to impact the whole of the rest of our lives. Let me tell you a bit about the TLG story. I know some of you have heard it before. So this will be like a revision session for you. But for others, let me tell you how this story began. So I grew up in Hull. I went to university in Bradford in West Yorkshire. Any West Yorkshire connections? Yes. Oh, some hands. Fantastic. We're bridging west to east. Well, I went there. I never imagined I would stay. It turns out God had other ideas. I got involved in a church, not at all dissimilar to this one, in the middle of the city with a massive heart for the gospel to be known. And we opened a youth club and a crowd of kids came. So I remember one Sunday night, it was a dark November night, and a crowd of about 40 kids packed in to the youth club. And I spotted a lad that I'd never seen before. And I noticed him that night, because he's like sort of pushing and shoving his way through the crowd. I'm thinking, I've got to get to that kid before something kicks off. But you know, before I could go and say, hi, how are you doing? He punched me. So I'm thinking, I want to punch you back. But I know that's not the idea of this voluntary Christian youth ministry. How different the TLG story could have been. So I'm not having hit him, I instead got to talk to him. I got to find out that his name was Lewis. We got a picture of him. Next slide. It'll come up. He lived with his mum and her boyfriend, two sisters and a brother, in a house on the local estate. A house where there was often not enough money or enough food. A house where things were pretty chaotic a lot of the time. And unsurprisingly, when Lewis went to school, things were pretty chaotic too. But he's a really bright kid. So he'd worked out exactly what to do, what to say and who to say it to, to be kicked out of school by 9.30 without fail. So he'd have the rest of the day or the rest of the week or the rest of the half term to himself. Well, what do you do? What do you do when you know that that's happening? Well, we started to do what you are just about to start to do. We simply did the things that we could do to help him. You know, the thing that really struck us back then was just how open the school were to help and how open his mom was to help. 
And you know, as we journeyed with him, we saw that whole family open up to the love and the care of the church. His mum connected in. His two sisters and his brother came along to the kids' ministry in the church. And one Sunday night, at the gospel meeting as it was known back then, Lewis himself responded to get to know Jesus for himself, to begin his own journey of faith. The great thing was that as we helped him with his education, he connected back into school. He got a job at the local cricket ground. And then the school said, we've got loads more kids like him. How many would you like? And the rest, as they say, is history. So this makes me feel really old, um, because there we are. That's Lewis, age 37. One of the joys of my life is just God's grace in our friendship. He's become a really good friend. And like all of us, there have been ups and downs in his life and in his faith, but it's been great to journey together. It's 20, nearly 21 years now since TLG began just in Yorkshire, but, you know, we've seen this ministry grow, first with education centers across the country, with you guys it's now 12, and then early intervention, this program of volunteers being matched one-to-one with a child in school, particularly primary age kids, for an hour a week, but for a whole school year. Can you believe there are now over a hundred of those all over the UK? And then make lunch. Just thinking about the struggle that these families face in the holidays for food and for community. Almost a hundred churches now providing lunch in the holidays for kids on free school meals at risk of going hungry. You know, this whole issue of school exclusion, I've got to tell you, I had no idea when I first met Lewis of just what a huge issue this is. And you know, that's over 20 years ago. And tragically, this problem has just continued to get worse. In this past year now, over 400,000 exclusions given to children in our country. And those 400,000 exclusions have been given to 200,000 different children. Every one, a crisis in a child's life, in a family's life, And that is despite the great work of some excellent teachers in our schools. I know many of you here today, you'll be serving in education in some way. You share our heart for children. And we know, don't we, that the system is failing so many of these kids. I think it's maybe sometimes more helpful to say that it's our society, it's his, it belongs, this problem, to all of us. We're failing these kids. We might think, 
as I did, that exclusion from school is just about teenagers like Lewis. But you know, tragically, exclusion is growing at its fastest rate in primary schools. Over 25,000 different primary age kids, 11 years and younger, excluded from school in the past 12 months alone. You know, I really believe that exclusion on this scale is not the judgment on the behavior of a child, primarily, that we would be told that it is. I think on this scale, we've got to say it's a judgment on a system that is failing to meet the needs of children. What about this city? Well, in Hull, 409 secondary age children excluded, sorry, 490 excluded in this last year alone. And in addition, 260 educated outside of mainstream school because there isn't appropriate provision for them. We're going to help 10 young people at a time. But every one of them is precious to God. And this is his rescue mission that you guys have joined in. And it's not just to them. I believe that behind every one of those statistics is not just a, a child's life, but a whole family. A whole family that needs to know that God is with them and for them has a wonderful plan of redemption. This matters because people matter to God. But you know, it matters deeply to Him because of the injustice that is happening in our communities, in our city. Steve read earlier, Scripture speaking about God being the God of justice, God loving justice. And I believe that his heart breaks when he sees the way that those who have the toughest start are also those who are most likely to be put on the outside. Do you know children living in poverty? They are four times more likely to be excluded from school. I just believe that that is unfair. There are huge limitations, aren't there, on the system. I think class teachers being expected to succeed with 30 kids, that is an impossible ask. And our call is to the two or three in every class who've been struggling probably for years and will have lost hope and believe that there is no future. In the face of this injustice, where is God? You know, when we open his word, we see a God of love and compassion. You know, Isaiah, God speaks about the people of Israel and he speaks about his relationship with them. And I really believe that as we read Scripture, we just see, don't we, God's heart. God's heart for those who are held in captivity. 
whatever that is. Addiction, poverty, rejection. And in Isaiah 40, God speaks and he says, Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. She's been punished enough, more than enough. And now it's over and done with. Praise him. Praise God. To those in captivity, God says, enough. Enough is enough. And then what follows is what I believe is God's call to us, his church, to you, his church. They're the words that centuries later would be used by John the Baptist. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. I love this. I love this. It's a call to us. We get to be part of making a highway for God. Where? Into the lives of people. Right into their situation. The scripture goes on, fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, and clear out the rocks. As I was praying for you this morning, I just really sense that for some here today, you relate to this. That actually there are some valleys There are things that are missing in your journey. Maybe that's about family. Maybe that's about love and care and protection. And then there are also some hills and some rocks. There are things that have happened that could be a barrier. Maybe things that have happened because of choices you've made. You know, God's word today is that the valleys and the hills and the rocks and the ruts are are and can be replaced by a highway. Think about it, a smooth, wide road, a highway to God and for God. And I really believe that this ministry of TLG with Jubilee Church, it's going to be a highway Because when the excluded are included, when unconditional love is poured in by the team here, when relationships of trust are built, then you know the valleys are slowly filled in. The hills are leveled, the ruts are smoothed out, and the rocks are cleared out. Hallelujah! This is God's work. And we're going to see it in lives. Isaiah goes on, Then God's bright glory will shine. And everyone will see it, yes, just as God has said. His glory is shining. I love that. And we're going to have the opportunity to be witnesses 
to the goodness and the grace of God. To children, to families, to their communities, to teachers and social workers, and to the whole of this city. The glory of God is going to shine. And there's something about the way he gives it. He gives it, doesn't he, to us as ordinary people. I think of that scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. You know the one about the, the clay jars, the ordinary jars. Nothing to look at, nothing special. That's definitely me. Yet somehow as we say, okay God, over to you, then his glory shines. So yes, I'm sharing something of the TLG story, but you know, so much more importantly, it's God's story. It's the story of what he is doing in and through his church across the nation and what he's going to do as we journey together. In a few moments, I'm going to share with you about how you personally can be involved and connected. And everyone here can be part of this ministry, which we are beginning together tomorrow. But before I do that, I want to share a couple of stories Stories of the glory shining, of what God does when he brings hope, when he fills in the valleys and he removes the rocks, when he levels the hills. So I've got one from the south and one from the north. So we'll go south first so we can finish in Yorkshire. So the first is the story of a boy called Troy. Have a look at his story. My name's Troy and this is my story. Before I came to TLG, it was a hard time. Mum was always at work. Me and my brother always at home. When Grantful happened, that was a big part of everyone's life in the whole community. Mum was crying every night because she's lost one of her friends in Grantful, my friend's mum. Sometimes I couldn't go to sleep. Kept on having nightmares about my friends. It impacted my school life because my friend used to go to my school. He used to like sit in front of me and just like knowing that, just used to like break my heart. I just used to be upset all the time. The help that I thought I needed and my mum thought I needed was someone there to not just send me out, someone to just talk to me instead of just saying get out. So when I first met Troy, you could see that he was someone that was emotionally, psychologically, mentally affected. Um, and you could see that he was someone that was troubled, deeply traumatised by what took place. TLG was different because they actually wanted you to do better in life. We wanted to provide a space for him where he could feel, do you know what, I can make mistakes and I might not know everything, and I've got people, I've got resources around to actually help me. Faith Residential is probably the most fun occasion at TLG. Faith Residential was one of the best trips I've ever been on. My relationship with God, it's got stronger and stronger. Even now, I have that Bible in my drawer now, and I always think about God. Troy was able to embark on a journey, especially through Faith Residential, in coming to closure 
finding peace and becoming settled in, 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 in what happened. When I was at TLG, they didn't just help me for no reason, they helped me to get back into mainstream school. So I just put my head down and just done my work. TLG has helped me in like a lot of areas. One, I can channel my anger, I know when to just calm down, I know ways to just handle it. And with Brentford as well, I just need to look at the good memories when it was there and my friends were there. See the transformation in his life has been absolutely fantastic. You know, when he walks into a room, he just lights up. He's bright, he's um, engaging, he's confident now. He is able to now better manage and better walk through the, the horrors that he faced previously. I keep in touch with James a lot. He always checks up on me to see if I'm doing good in football. It's always a good feeling knowing that there's always people there to support you, even in bad times. We talk from time to time and I'm always checking in on him and I'm, I'm very pleased to just, to just see and always hear that he's doing well, he's keeping focused and um, hopefully we'll soon see him on the football team. <laughs> I want to say a massive thank you to James, Annette, Deborah and Jemima for helping me to get where I am today. Thank you. Yeah, praise God. Troy spoke about faith residential. So that's um, three days away for young people, and uh, it's all the usual residential stuff. So silly games, outdoor activities. But crucially, think about kind of youth alpha and the chance to just share the gospel with young people. And it is such a joy just to create that space for them to know about Jesus and to respond to him for themselves. So that was London. We're now coming up to Yorkshire. And um, yeah, this is uh, a lovely story. A girl called Morgan. Take a look at her story. My name's Morgan. This is my story. My life before TLG was very hard. And like, I had dyslexia, but they will not diagnose me. And they called me a troublemaker, like a trouble causer. I had to get sent to isolation like every day. I, I became very angry and tearful and I started self-harming. And at that point I became very suicidal and wrote suicide notes, just wanting to end it off. I needed loads of help, I needed more support to help me like write, read it, like talk to me, just because I developed very slow, like five years behind like everyone else. When I first came at TLG, it just felt like home, basically. The classes were much smaller, you had so much help, and like the teachers just accept you for like you having learning difficulties, and like they'll understand you. The change was just knowing that they helped me do my work and just help me just boost my confidence up. So while Morgan was at TLG, um, she really started to mature, and um, she was thinking about how she's controlling her emotions, how can she develop in that area. And that's what we saw. We saw her growing it, we saw her maturing it. Um, she'd called me over one lesson and said, Sarah, just sit with me and tell me that I can do it, because then I'll be able to do it. There was like a shift in Morgan's belief in herself as well, like, oh, if there is other people around me believing in me, then actually maybe I should start believing in myself. So at Lafayette Residential, um, me, Sarah, Dave were talking about like how I was ashamed to show my scars, and then I just wish like they'll go away. Um, it led to us asking Morgan if she wanted prayer and she said yes and she wanted prayer for 
her scars, what she had been self-harming in the past, that she wanted them to just be a memory. Yeah, a few months later down the line, um, Morgan had told us that um, the prayer worked. Yeah. Theology boosts my confidence up, tell me how to do it like my English GCSEs, my English literature, got a foreign that passed, don't know how, literally, I'm so proud of it, it's like unbelievable. I literally never thought I would have been where I am now, in college, doing childcare, caring for my mum with having cancer. So when I found out my mum had cancer, it was upsetting, but I knew how to can't, like, go through it. So like, all I did was concentrate on my exams, thinking, just get them over and done with, make her proud. And now I'm at college, caring for her, making life a bit easier for us all. If I give a piece of advice to someone at school, it's just to never give up. My future just looks amazing. It actually does, because you never thought, like, how... Because you feel so worthless at first, like, but now like, my future is looking so bright, like, it's unbelievable. It actually is. Thank you. <laughs>
since I was here 18 months ago, and this is particularly for those of you who became hope givers that day, we have seen 50, 50 more churches trained up and released into ministry to children and families. That is about what God is doing in stirring up his church. So thank you for giving. And if you're not yet a hope giver, you can do that today. Just fill out the form. If you've got your bank details, then that would save us some time. But if you haven't got your bank details, don't worry. Just make sure that you sign the form, tick if you are a taxpayer, and let us have your phone number, and we can be in touch with you in the next couple of weeks. So if you bring those completed forms, we've got a table just outside the door. If today you are inspired by the opportunity to be involved here, then we would love you to become a volunteer, and there'll be the chance also to just express an interest in that. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your faith, for your courage, and we're going to be cheering you on and partnering with you to see many, many lives changed. Thank you.